later, he would cry, Oh, what I would not give for the gift of etching. Look at those trees. See the graceful tracery of their dark twigs, all outlined by hoarfrost. I would like fine to put their beauty down on paper, so that other folk, who must dwell in towns and cities, might enjoy it with me. Something he had of ecstatic praise for every season, in turn, loving God in the flowers and trees, and fearing him in the hills. The little village of Kintool lies at the bottom of the picturesque valley to which it gives its name. It grew up round a castle, one of the strongholds of the lawless north, depending for sustenance and protection upon the bounty of its chieftain, rendering him fealty when required, and receiving in return some small and precarious benefits. The old order changeth, however, and the castle has long sign fallen into ruins. Its proud battlements are a moss-grown playground for the village children. Its frowning towers are the haunt of the jackdaw. But the little village has now become old enough to fend for itself. It requires no patronage, nay, would bitterly resent anything approaching it, and continues through the years to drowse away its existence in the time-honoured manner of highland villages. A river, treacherous in its varying size and power, lingers drowsily round the rock upon which the castle stands, and glides by the thatched cottages and cobbled street of the village, mirroring them and the surrounding pine-trees on its darkly mysterious breast. Once past the village, it wakes to life. A natural bar of rock breaks it into a score of silver ribbons which fall with a soft roar into a pool some forty feet below. This pool is named the Giant's Quake, and it is well named, for when the churning foam is brown in spate, it is like a vast bowl, foaming and frothing with Brobdignian beer. The sound of the waterfall comes softly to Kintool, softly but unceasingly. It is a cool, drowsy sound in summer, which lulls the village to sleep on many a warm, breathless night. But it is a loud roar in winter, frightening many a snugly-bedded bairn into startled wakefulness. There is an old house, crooked and lichened with age, but mellow, like a sun-ripened plum. It is set in trees, as a jewel is set, close by the river, and divided from the cobbled street of the village by a narrow garden, which in summer is full of bright flowers. The boat house has belonged to the cars for many generations. It is possessed of a large, roomy boat, and this fact has given the house its name. The boat is used as a ferry by the inhabitants of the village, and by others from far and near for this is the only ferryable spot for many miles up and down that turbulent stream. Kintool Ferry is justly famed for its safety in stormy weather, and for the reliable boatman with his broad-beamed craft. There are few days, even in the Highland winter, when John Carr refuses to ferry a passenger across. On a warm day in summer, the ferry is a drowsy spot, and it is difficult to imagine the wild scenes which must have taken place there. 
Mr. McLaren says that a book might be written full of wild and stirring tales and yet leave half the stormy history of Kintool Ferry untold. He will wax eloquent on the subject. He will draw you to the window of his study which overlooks his beloved river and will conjure up reavers swimming their stolen herds on moonless nights or a loch in Var crossing here with his noble steed carrying some fair lady of high degree. Here the fierce Macalpine and his raiders fought many a battle. Here also came the ubiquitous Wade and his road-making army. If you have shown sufficient enthusiasm for his hobby, Mr. McLaren will turn to his desk, a battered but roomy piece of furniture which fills up a quarter of his small study, and will pull out drawer after drawer to exhibit queer pieces of steel and iron and bone found on the banks of the ferry. Holding these in his thin white hand, he will...